Hi, I'm Becky. And I'm Angela. And we'll be doing the second Bible reading taken from 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God in Corinth, together with all his holy people throughout Achaia, grace and peace to you from God, our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same sufferings we suffer. And our hope for you is firm, because we know that just as you share in our sufferings, so also you share in our comfort. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us, as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. Well, today we are beginning a new series on the book of 2 Corinthians, and it is my prayer that what we learn from this book is just what we need to be reminded of now as a church, that we are weak, but God is powerful, but he uses us in our weaknesses. Well, let's join in prayer once again. Heavenly Father, we pray that as we consider this letter, that the meditation of our hearts and the words of my lips might be pleasing to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, every once in a while, I come across stories of extraordinary Christians, Christians who have a deep, solid, firm conviction of how they are to be used by God, who live a life with endurance and perseverance through unspeakable pain and hardships. And yet they are resolved to love God with all their lives and often at huge cost to themselves and their families. And you read of these stories and you wonder, what's their secret? How did they get through it all? Well, this past week I got my family to watch some documentaries of extraordinary Christians. And we watched the story of of Adoniram and Anne Judson. They were pioneering missionaries to Burma in the 1800s. Adoniram was a brilliant young man. He entered university at 16 years old. But for a few years, he wandered away from the Christian faith, like the prodigal son. But after the death of his best friend, he was confronted by the finality and horror of death. But God was working in him to bring him back. And then at 20 years of age, he entered seminary and he had his heart set on becoming a missionary to Burma. But then he met Anne Hasseltine and he fell in love. And after one month, he expressed his intention to marry her. Only one month. He wanted her to also join him to go to Burma. So it didn't take him that long at all. Only one month. Perhaps some of the young men in our church can learn from that. But he wrote to her father asking for permission. Now this letter just blew my mind when I first read it. Listen to what he said. He said, I have now to ask 
whether you consent to part with your daughter early next spring, to see her no more in this world, whether you can consent to her departure and her subjection to the hardships and sufferings of a missionary life, whether you can consent to her exposure to the dangers of the ocean, to the fatal influence of the southern climate of India, to every kind of want and distress, to degradation, insult, persecution, and perhaps a violent death. Can you consent to all this for the sake of him who left his heavenly home and died for her and for you? For the sake of the perishing, immortal souls, for the sake of Zion and the glory of God. Can you consent to all this in hope of soon meeting your daughter in the world of glory, with the crown of righteousness, brightened with the acclamation of praises which shall adound her Saviour, from her heathen saved, through her means from eternal woe and despair? Now for those of us who are fathers, imagine getting such a letter. Well, her father, John Hasseltine, he allowed his daughter to decide. And so they got married on the 5th of February, 1812. He was 23, she was 22. And 12 days later, they sailed for India. What a honeymoon. But doesn't it amaze you how strong a conviction they had at such a young age? And Adoniram was not wrong in that letter. He was not exaggerating the dangers, the hardships, the fatal climates, cholera, malaria, dysentery, imprisonment, torture, the unspeakable despair of that mission to one day die amongst strangers. But they persevered in loving the locals, in handing out gospel tracts, and perhaps one of their greatest contributions for the Burmese was the translation of the Old and New Testament. Now you come across a story like that and you have to ask, what was their secret? How did they become such extraordinary Christians? Well, their secret was really no secret at all. It was to live out their lives similar to the Apostle Paul, with the same conviction the same faith in the same God. It was to read 2 Corinthians, this letter, and to see that in human weakness, God's power is displayed all the more clearly. It is to see this world, not from the perspective of this world, but from the perspective of God and eternity. You see, the Corinthians, they were easily impressed, just like us, with the impressive and glamorous. They lived in the in the leading city in Greece, the capital of that Roman province. And it was a cosmopolitan city with a bustling port. They had wealth, they had prestige, and, and they were quite progressive. And so when great preachers came along to their church, eloquent teachers, they were very impressed. And so they despised their apostle Paul, even though it was Paul who planted that church but they despised him because he looked so weak, so unimpressive, always suffering, looked so pathetic. And that caused Paul much hurt and heartache. And so Paul wrote this letter to correct them. It wasn't his first letter to them. It was, in fact, his fourth because they still haven't learned. And so Paul wrote this letter for them, but also for folks like the Judsons and also for us today so that we will learn 
what's the secret to living the extraordinary Christian life? Well, the first thing we see here, grab your Bibles. The first thing we see is who Paul turns to in his afflictions. You see, it doesn't matter, matter whether you believe in God or not. Everyone experiences pain and sufferings and afflictions. But Paul's secret is that he knows who to turn to. He turns to God for comfort. And after the initial greetings, what we see here, this was how he begins his letter. Look at verses 3 and 4 with me. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles. You see, for many of us, we turn to all sorts of things for comfort, don't we? When we're feeling down or deflated or depressed or sad. Some of us might turn to eating, comfort food. Over the last few months, a favourite TV show of my household was MasterChef. I personally couldn't really stand it because almost every episode, someone's crying because of burnt butter or the dish just looks rubbish. But in some episodes, they would have to cook a comfort dish. And so when you're feeling sick or sad, you eat your comfort food. But enough comfort food in this season and you get COVID kilos, a term I learned only the other week. But some turn to eating. Or some will try to avoid it, but that doesn't help because what just happens is that there's this dark cloud casting a huge shadow over you and you can never avoid it forever. Or some will start to feel self-pity, but that doesn't help because that's a downward spiral and it just won't help. But what did Paul do? Well, we read here, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, comforts us in all our troubles. God is not that far and distant and uninterested in our lives type of God. He is interested. He is compassionate. He cares when you're hurting. He cares when you're down, when you're sad. Now, I wonder whether you sense, like I do, how crazy and how bold and how audacious that claim of Paul was. What makes it so audacious is just a small word, a three-letter word. All. God comforts us in all troubles. Not just some troubles, the, the easy stuff. You broke your arm, well, God can comfort you there. But you lost a child? Well, that's beyond God. No. It is all troubles. No exclusion. Every experience, God can comfort us. And no doubt, many of us have experienced that comfort from God. Now with the story of the Judsons, even before they landed in Burma, on the filthy, overcrowded ship, and delivered their first child, hoping that it will be a good start to their mission work in Burma. But he was delivered stillborn and buried at sea. I mean, how could they persevere in their mission work after that? How could they find comfort? Well, just like what the Apostle Paul speaks of here, they turned to God. But now we read on, the comfort we experience from God is also so that we can be of comfort to others. And I'm sure we've experienced this as well. When we suffer, our hearts are made more tender and sympathetic to the sufferings of others. Have a look at verses 4 and 5 with me. 
the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ flow over into our lives, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. Now what's fascinating there is that we experience comfort from God, not only directly from God, but through his people, as his people cares and comforts each other. And hasn't that been the flavour of our lives and of our church during this season? You've been comforting someone in depression. Because you've experienced depression yourself and you know what it feels like and you know how God has comforted you. Or you've been comforting someone who is in grief and sorrow because you've experienced grief and sorrow yourself. And so you can walk alongside them and show compassion and sympathy. One author once said, Sympathy is love perfected by experience. Now the woes of the Judsons did not end with their stillborn child. Two years later, Anne gave birth to a second son. Roger, and he was a delight to the community. They've never seen a white baby with blue eyes before. But he only lived seven months and died. It broke their hearts. Anne herself, she lived for another 11 years and died at 36 from a fever. And she was shortly followed by her daughter Maria six months later. She died at only two years of age. And so that's Wife and three children dead. Adoniram was obviously devastated and heartbroken. I mean, who wouldn't be? And he sank into deep depression for a few years. But eventually, he too found comfort in God as God slowly restored him. And when he learnt that fellow missionary, Sarah Bortman, also in Burma, lost her husband to sickness, having been comforted by God himself, he was able to comfort her. And so he wrote to her, My dear sister, you are now drinking the bitter cup whose dregs I am somewhat acquainted with. And though for some time you have been aware of its approach, I venture to say that it is far bitterer than you expected. And then he goes on to say, Yet take the bitter cup with both hands and sit down to your repast. You will soon learn a secret that there is sweetness at the bottom. Do you see how God can use our sufferings for the comfort of one another? It doesn't make the pain less painful, but it makes it more bearable. And Paul wanted the church, the Corinthian church, to not be surprised by his own sufferings. You see, they were unimpressed by Paul. He appeared so weak to them. But Paul wanted them to see that it was for their salvation, that it was for their good. You don't go around looking for pain for the sake of it. The Judsons didn't leave the comfort of the United States to go to Burma just so that they can experience some pain. No, it was for the salvation of souls. And Judson, she she wrote in her journal, The poor Burmans are entirely destitute of those consolations and joys which constitute our happiness. And why should we be unwilling to part with a few fleeting, inconsiderable comforts for the sake of making them sharers with us in joys exalted as heaven, Durable as eternity. 
And perhaps as a church now, for us, we need to remember that as well. We are on about saving souls. Of course, we love, comfort, care for each other. But we need to continue to remember and not forget the lost souls around us. And does that lead to any change inside us at all? And so look at verse 6 now. If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. And so what's the secret of the Judsons, of the Apostle Paul? Well, we know it. Go to God for comfort. That's the first thing we see here. Now, the second thing we see here is that the Apostle Paul also turns to God for hope. You can feel comforted, but then you've got nothing to look forward to, and that's why you need hope. And who does Paul turn to? Well, he turns to God. And Paul here, he did not shy away from sharing his own weaknesses. Remember the Corinthians, they despise it. And I know it in myself that I often don't like to be seen as weak and incompetent and inadequate and unable to bear the load and burden, feeling overwhelmed. I rather like to be seen like I've got all things under control. But there's no shame in weakness. And the word Paul used here is to be under such a heavy burden, to be pressed down so much that he has no strength to carry on. Look at verse 8 now. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about the hardships we suffered in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despair even of life. And that was his experience over and over again. He experienced beatings, imprisonment, stoning. He went hungry without food, lacking clothing. He's been left for dead and he just looked so pathetic and weak. No wonder why Paul goes on to say in verse 9, look at verse 9. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death. And so who do you turn to? Well, after Adoniram lost his wife and three kids, he sunk into deep depression, and who could blame him for it? At one point, he even dug a grave and sat beside it, and, and that's so that he could contemplate his, his death and the decay of his body. And he spent about three years in deep depression. But how did he turn around? Well, not just comfort from God, but hope in God's power in what God can do. And that's what Paul speaks of here. Look at verse 9 again. Indeed, in our hearts we felt the sentence of death, but this happened, that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. You may have heard, it is when God is all we have that we discover that God is all we need. And in God there is hope. Not even the grave or death can frustrate God's plans. Why? Because he can raise the dead. And so Paul was teaching the Corinthians, it is in weakness you depend on God more. It is in weakness you pray to God more. Rather than looking pathetic, it's the secret to the extraordinary Christian life. 
and to look at our final verses, verses 10 and 11. On him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. Then many will give thanks on our behalf for the gracious favour granted us in answer to the prayers of many. You see, Paul is saying, in weakness, we keep on depending. In weakness, we keep on praying. And in weakness, we keep on hoping. And when Adoniram was facing execution at one point, he was asked what he thought about his future. His reply was, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And by the time of his death, he left in Burma not only the translated Bible, but about 63 churches, 123 missionaries, and about 7,000 Burmese Christians. He went to God for comfort and hope. And so what type of life are you living now? In reflecting on this passage, and in reflecting on the life of the Apostle Paul and the Judsons, we can be tempted to feel, well, that's not me. They're the extraordinary Christians. I'm not that. Or that would be wrong. The reason why Paul wrote this letter for the Corinthian church was so that they would know and so that we would know we share the same ordinary faith but in the same extraordinary God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's the secret. So what does your life look like now? I suspect for many of us, we're not too excited by our current lockdown, but I find it very easy to complain about our curfews, about the the restrictions. But have we lost perspective? Just to think of the life of Paul and Adoniram and Anne, how can we complain? Perhaps it makes some of our experiences now seem quite childish. And so how can we, as a church now, display our ordinary faith in our extraordinary God? Is there someone in your growth group, in your D team, in our church community, in your neighborhood who needs to experience the comfort of God now? And can that means of God's comfort be you? I mean, wouldn't it be a tragedy if someone in our church community is feeling lonely and sad And no one has been in touch. Have you made any effort to care for one person, five, ten, during our lockdown? And wouldn't it be a tragedy if it's our next door neighbour who is needing the comfort of God now and we're not there to comfort them? And are you feeling like Paul maybe, now under such a great burden, despairing even of life? Well, what could God be teaching you? Who, who could you be going to now for comfort and hope? Well, God is there for you. We are too. So don't forget that. Or are there people in your life who are not sharers with us in the joys exalted as heaven and as durable as eternity whom you could be reaching out to now? Come and know my God of comfort and hope. I mean, we're running Life Explore. We're not doing it just because. We're running it because we want people to be sharers with us of our eternal joys. I wonder if that's on your agenda. Or could it even be now that perhaps, a bit like what happened with Adoniram, that God might be working in you, pulling at your heartstrings to consider where in the world might God send me to serve him? Adoniram was only 20 years old when he wanted to go. I mean, it makes us think, doesn't it? 
how small some of our desires we hold in our hearts now. Well, it is my hope and prayer that as a church, we are making the most of this time, the time that God has given us with the earnestness of the Apostle Paul, with the heart of the Judsons to display our ordinary faith, but in our extraordinary God. And that's the secret. Well, let's join in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do praise you, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the one who comforts us in all our troubles. And so help us, Lord, to always come to, come to you for comfort and hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.